Baba Kama Dav Kof Dal. The last thing we're discussing was the Mishnah on the bottom of Kof Gimel Amud Aleph. It said if someone stole something that's more than Shavit Puta from his friend, he has to give it back. Chase him all the way to Madai, but you have to give it back. And our Gemara went back and forth trying to understand who our Mishnah was like. First, they wanted to say it wasn't neither Rabbi Tarfon or Rabbi Akivad, and then wanted to say it was Rabbi Akivad, and then change it to Rabbi Tarfon. Now, the Gemara is going to go back to the case in the Mishnah, where it says you, if someone stole an item from Reuven, you can't give it back to Reuven's messenger or Reuven's uh, child. You have to give it back to him. Or you give it back to a Shaliyah Bedin. And with that, we're going to start Kof Dalar Amud Aleph, eight lines in by the two dots, where it says, You know, they give it to his son or his messenger. Rather, you have to give it back to him. Itmar, it was said. Reuven stole money from Shimon. Reuven sent the message to Shimon, I want to give the money back. Shimon made a messenger in front of two people. He told uh, Levi and Yehuda, you're my witnesses, that Yaakov is going to be the messenger. Rav Hasda, Amar Habesh Shaliyah. Rav Hasda said that this Shaliyah, Yaakov, is a Shaliyah. And therefore, once the once Reuven gives the money to Yaakov, it's like it already came to Shimon. And if anything happens to that money or that item, that's it. Reuven is patur. Rabba Amar, la Habesh Shaliyah. Rabba says not a Shaliyah. And if anything happens, Reuven is still responsible. Why? Because that's the reason we, we brought Levi Yehuda as witnesses so that when the money gets to Yaakov's hands, the Shaliyah, that's it. It's already as if it's in Shimon's hands. Rabbi said he's not a Shaliyah because this is what Shimon is trying to tell the Reuven. This person, Yaakov, is a trustworthy person. I trusted him in front of Levi and Yehuda. If you trust him also, great. If you want to send it with him, send it with him. I have no problem, but if, but it's uh, still, it's not as if I'm uh, giving him the responsibility. I'm not, even, I'm not even making him my hand. Therefore, until it comes to my hand, you're still responsible. That's the Mahloket of Hasda and Rabbah. So what comes out is that according to Rav Hasda, the messenger is the hand of the person who sent him. And whenever it gets to his hand, that's it. There was a transfer of possession. So now the Gemara has a question on Rav Hasda from a Mishnah. If someone borrowed a cow and the, the, the borrower didn't come to pick it up. Rather, he sent his uh, son, or messenger of the owner of the cow, or the son of the of the owner of the cow, or the slave of the owner of the cow, or with the, the, with the borrower's messenger, and all these cases, patur. Now, what's going on here? If he didn't make him a shaliyah in front of witnesses, then how do we know you're the messenger? Who made you the shaliyah? Rather, we're talking about a situation where the borrower made this guy a shaliyah with witnesses. And still, the borrower is patur. Because it's not as if it's in his hands, and that's Kashyal that Rav Hasta. Rav Hasta said the messenger is as if it's the hand of the person who sent him. He was saying it's not. So the Gemara explains, Rav Hasta. No, we're going to explain over here the way Rav Hasta explains a different case. We're talking about an employee of the, the person who sent him, or the, the roommate. 
Hachanami, same thing we're going to say over here, with, in regards to the borrower. We're talking about Bishirol Kito, either an employee or a roommate of the person who sent them. They're considered Shaliyah, even though they weren't actually made a Shaliyah in front of Aidim. The idea is they're under him, they either work for him or live under him, and therefore they're considered Shaliyah, but not strong enough to be responsible. So now, Tanan, so let's try to bring a different uh, question on Rav Hasda. Tanan, you're not, you're not allowed, if someone stole something, don't give it back to his son, not to his messenger. I mean, this messenger that we talk about, what exactly are we talking about? If he didn't make him a messenger in front of Aidim, how do we know that you're the messenger? Rather, we're talking about a situation where you made him the messenger in front of witnesses. And still, it says, don't give it to them, because if anything happens, you're still responsible. How you can explain that? So, to get out of Hasta, again, of Hasta explains, Bishirol Kito. We're talking about an employee or a roommate, someone under him, where he's a shaliyah, but not really a shaliyah. So, if you're giving it to his son or to his messenger that really wasn't made a messenger in front of witnesses, but he really counts as a messenger, if anything happens, you're still responsible, since it wasn't done properly. So the Gemara has a question. Okay, fine. But let's say there's Shaliyah. You made him witnesses. What's the halacha? Is he a Shaliyah? Then instead of the Sefa talking about giving it to Shaliyah, why don't we just discuss this case? And explain. If there was Aidim when this when this uh, messenger became a messenger, okay. If not, not explain to us, expound on that case. Why do you have to jump to Betim? So the Gemara explains. I'm going to because it's not an exact thing. Meaning Shaliyah Betim lo shana asan exal shana asal gazlan have Shaliyah. We know that. A shaliyah betin, it doesn't make a difference who made him, whether it's the, the thief or the person who was stolen from. We know he's considered a shaliyah, and once he gets his hands, that's it, there's a transfer of possession, and therefore, pesikale, therefore, it, it, it's a sad thing, and we mentioned it. However, shaliyah shaso beedim, the case of a shaliyah that was done in front of witnesses, if the person who was stolen from Shimon made him the shaliyah, then he counts as a shaliyah no matter what. But if the thief made him a shaliyah, he's not a shaliyah. Therefore, it's not a set thing, it's not an exact halacha, therefore we didn't want to expound on it. And this goes against the of the following the Tanya. A shaliyah of betin that was appointed by the person who was stolen from and not the thief, or the thief himself made him and Shimon sent his messenger to pick it up from the shaliyah betin. Patur, the thief is now not responsible anymore. So we understood the shaliyah betin that was made by either the thief or the person who was stolen from is it's shaliyah goes against the sugya. It says only if the person who was stolen from set it up. So now the Gemara is going to bring Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Lazar. They both say like Rav Hasda, shaliyah shasau be'adim have a shaliyah. A shaliyah that was appointed in front of witnesses is a shaliyah. Ve'im tomar mishnatenu. And if you bring our Mishnah where it says that the thief should not give to the messenger of the person who was stolen from, that's be'mamtzilo shaliyah. That's if Shimon just finds for a a messenger. 
Meaning the Amar de where Shimon is telling a random person Levi, itli This person Reuven owes me money. Vela kamshada lehun is not sending it to me. It hazele show up by him. Dilma inish hu dela mashkach leshadurele. Maybe the only reason he's not giving to me is because he, he can't find anyone to bring it. So you'll be the guy. So offer your services, but I'm not making you shaliyah. Inami, or you could explain, like Rab Hasda explained, where we're talking about that the Levi person is either an employee, either a roommate, not a real shaliyah. And once we're on this subject, Amar of Amar Shemuel, we don't send the money with the sign. Meaning if Shimon, the one who is owed the money, if he sends a messenger with some sort of a sign, uh, a signature, without explaining that this person over here is a shaliyah, or he said, or like according to, to the Rosh, he, he draws a picture and the, the Reuven is supposed to understand to send the money with this person. Rabbeinu Hanel explains that some sort of secret between Shimon and Reuven, and Mordechi brings an explanation where it's actually, there's two kane, two reeds, where they took a reed, they broke it in half, he has one, he has one, he gives him one, he'll pay him the money. Bottom line is, if it's not explicit that this person is a shaliyah with idim and everything, don't send him the money. Reuven, do not send Shimon the money with this person. And even if witnesses are signed on this dukini, don't send anything. If there's witnesses signed on this, okay, then you could send because that's it, you have witnesses backing you up. So the Shiva asked, according to Shmuel, who said, no matter what, don't send if there's a dukni, even if witnesses are signed on it. So what do we do? How do we fix this? How does Reuven get Shimon the money and not be responsible anymore? So the Gemara explains, like the story with Revi Abba, that Rav Yosef Barhama, Rav Yosef Barhama ordered Rabbi Abba money, and Rav Yosef couldn't get the money to Rabbi Abba on his own. And Rabbi Abba said to Rav Safra, listen, when you're there, can you just bring the money back with you? When Rav Safra went there, Rabbi, the son of Rav Yosef Bahama, told him, that Rabbi Abba said that when Rav Safra takes the money, it's as if he accepted it. Rav Safra said, no. If that's the case, go back and do this all over again. Let him write in the paper that, it's, uh, that when he gives it to Rav Safra, it's as if he already got it. The end, Rabbi said, you know what, never mind. Even if you wrote, I accepted it, it's still nothing. Because could be by the time you get back, the Rabbi Abba will pass away. His children will take over inheritance. And the acceptance of Rabbi Abba, whenever Rabbi Abba said that when Rav Sfra gets it, it's as if he accepted, that doesn't count in regard to Yetomim. So Amar Rav Sfra said, okay, fine, then how do we fix this? How do we get Rabbi Abba his money? So Rabbi told him, Zil nakninu lach agav ar'a. Go back to Rabbi Abba, let him hand over the loan to you, but through a piece of property. You'll get a piece of property from him, and you'll get the loan as a result of the property. 
That will be a kinyan agav. Through, you acquire something through something else. You can acquire movable objects, movable property like this loan, through acquiring land one with the other. And then come to us, get the money, and write that you accepted the money. This way everyone's happy. It's like the story of Papa. People in Bet Hosai owed him 12,000 zoos, and there was no way for him to go get it himself. He let Rav Shmuel Baraba acquire it through the threshold of his house. That's technically land, and you, the loan gets acquired with the threshold. And kiata, and when Rav Shmuel Baraba came with the money, he walked all the way to Tavach to see him. He greeted him by a place called Tavach because he was so happy he got him his money. Next, we learned in the Mishnah Natan Lo Etakeren, if you gave the principal but you didn't give the fifth, you don't have to go all the way to Madai for that fifth. Alma, what do you understand from all this? That Homish is Mamunahu. That that extra fifth that you're obligated to pay, that's a real debt. And if the, the person who owes the fifth dies, his Yorshin, his, uh, his uh, inheritors have to actually pay that extra fifth. Utna Nami, and we learned in the Mishnah, we learned in the Mishnah that if a person gave the principle and then he lied under oath with about that fifth, then he has to add another fifth on the fifth. So you see that the fifth is, is, is actual debt. If someone stole money or something from his friend and lied, and then he swore, and then he admitted, so he owes a principal plus a fifth plus a korban Hashem, umet, and the thief dies. So the Yorshim, they have to pay the principal plus the fifth, but they don't have to give the korban Hashem. The Hashem comes as kapara, no, no one over here needs kapara. And the Yorshim, the inheritors, they are required to pay that extra fifth that their father owes. So you learn from here that it's a real debt and the Yorshim have to pay it. The problem is, we have a Baraita in Torah Kohanim that the Pasuk says, he has to return the loss, the stolen object that he stole. And he has to add a fifth but on whatever he stole, but not on whatever his father stole. And Adain and Yomer would still say, When would he not have to pay a fifth? That's only if his father stole. That's if him or his father didn't swear on this. Let's say if one of them swore, the father, not him, him, not the father. Or the, both of them swore. How do we know that he does not have to pay the fifth for his father? Tamud Lomar, Asher Gazal, only what he stole. Semadiyah Asher Ashak, or what he didn't pay the employees on time. Hulo Gazal Velu Ashak, he didn't do any of this. He didn't steal. He didn't, did not play the, pay the employees on time. It's his father's. Now, bottom line from this breta, you see that you don't have to pay that fifth that belongs to the father. So it's not money. It's not a real debt. So the Gemara explains. It all depends. It all depends, really, if he admitted or not. Meaning, 
Over here in the Mishnah, the Braita, where Homish is a regular debt, that's where he admitted, okay, so now I admit I owe this much, so that becomes now a real debt. When he did not admit, then okay, then he doesn't really owe it, meaning that fifth has not yet taken effect on him, and therefore it's not a real debt, and therefore he would be patur. Now the Gemara thinks that the son didn't admit either that his father owes any money, and the Gemara asks, Well, if nobody admitted over here, then he shouldn't even have to pay the principal, not just not have to pay the fifth, even the principal. If, if you want to say that's true, that he doesn't even have to pay the principal, the fact, the fact that we're talking about the fifth the entire time means it's a given that, you have to, that the son has to pay the principal. That, that his father stole, and when does a person have to pay for the for the principle of what his father stole? If, if they they swore and they lied, who or the father swore not him, or he swore not the father. In all these cases, that he has to pay the principal. However, no one swore, how do I know they have to pay the principal? The Torah mentioned few different ways of uh, owing someone money, whether it's uh, stealing or you didn't pay an employee, you lost something, you have to pay back, or a deposit that you have to give back. And the reason we had to mention the reason we had to mention all of these is coming to tell you that uh, even if they both didn't swear, the father or the son didn't swear, you still have to pay the principal and you even have to pay the principal that your father stole. And the Braita finishes, Yes, Talmud, we can learn it. And Rav Huna said over here, and he gave this whole drasha from the pasuk. He brought that pasuk and everything were doresh about the father and the son. And Amar le asked him, Yes, Talmud Kamar more. Did you say Yes, Talmud? Meaning, from the pasuk, I could derive, I could understand that the son has to pay the principal even though there was no swear, or or what you said was uh, they should pay, meaning uh, it's a svarat, it's logic. You just gave us a halacha, but not something that you learn out of a pasuk. And Amar Le and Ravuna told him, Yesh Talmud Kamina, I was saying Yesh Talmud, we could learn it, meaning we could learn it from the Pasuk, Umir Dikra'e. And we learn it from the fact that we mentioned everything. We mentioned the Gezela, the Oshek, the Aveda, the Pikadon. Now, bottom line is we see that the son has to pay the principal. And if we're talking about there was no admission of it to the, to the theft, then why should he pay? And Amre, and the Gemara says, Ela Mai Lohoda. Then what does that mean when we say that there was no admission? Rav Nachman said, La kashya, there's no machloket between the, the Mishnah, Braita, and the Torah Kohanim. He said one is where he admitted, one he didn't admit. What does that mean, he didn't admit? We're talking about a situation where the father didn't admit, the son admitted. So the Gemara says, if that's the case, let the son have to pay an extra fifth for lying under oath. Amre, the Gemara responds, no, we're talking about Vesheen Gezela Kayemet. We're talking about a situation where the theft doesn't exist anymore. Meaning when the son lied under oath about his father's theft, the, the item was not here anymore. Let's say the father stole a cow, the cow doesn't exist anymore. 
and uh, the sun light on the road, then he admitted. So the Gemara asks, Well, if the uh, the principal is not here anymore, let's say the cow that he stole is not in existence, then he doesn't even have to pay the principal. That's the rule of theft. If a father stole something and the item is in existence, okay, the son has to give it back. But if it's not in existence, you don't have to give it back. So the Gemara responds, So the Gemara explains, no, we're talking about a situation where there is responsibility, meaning the children inherited land from the father, and if they inherited land, then they have the responsibility to return a theft, even if the theft is not in existence. And the Gemara asks, So let's say they have responsibility, meaning let's say they received the land. So who cares? The whole thing is, the theft becomes a loan that's by heart, meaning there is no document that says oh, that Reuven uh, all Shimon money over here. Here it's the father stole something, and now the kids have to give it back. Everything is by heart over here. And any debt that is by heart, meaning if it's not written, then then the, the person who is owed, the, the creditor, he cannot collect payment, not from the children, the inheritors, and not from buyers. If the borrower or the thief sold his land, the the creditor cannot just come and take that land from them. So the Quran explains, We're talking about a situation where the father already came to Betin on that theft, and then he passed away. And once he already came to Betin, there's a voice that went that goes out. People heard that this person stole something, and that's already a little bit stronger. And therefore, you have to pay it back. Now, Rashi doesn't like that uh, Perush that he came to Betin because number one, he, he doesn't say he admitted. And number two, if he, if we're saying he, he showed up to Betin, meaning up until now we understood that he didn't come to Betin, so what are we swearing on? So Tosfor explains, he lied under oath in Betin and then witnesses came, so he doesn't have to pay that extra fifth unless he admits on his own. So now the Gemara asks, If he already came to Betin, then he should also have to pay the fifth. Meaning, we're understanding that the father came to Betin, he was caught, he admitted, okay, oh, he has to pay a fifth. The rule is, and this is in Masechet Shavuot, that we don't swear on land. And the only reason the son has to pay over here whatever whatever his father stole is because he inherited land. There was that whole responsibility thing. And therefore, when the son denied all this, he was never obligated to swear. And his swear is not considered a swear that you would need a fifth because of it. Meaning it's a secondary swear. And that's why you can't put that whole deen of an extra fifth on it. You only have a fifth when you yourself are obligated in the swear. So again, the question is, why is it when the father denies and the son admits he does not have to pay the fifth? Because it's it's overland and we don't swear overland. Rabbi Amar, the reason the son does not have to pay the extra fifth is because What are we dealing with? We're talking about a situation where the father's wallet, where he has his money and whatever he stole, it's in this wallet and it's by other people. Other people are watching this wallet for the father. The reason the son swore that he doesn't, he doesn't know anything about his father never stole it is because he didn't know about this wallet or what's inside of it. 
Therefore, Keren Mishalem Dehaite. He has to pay back the principal because it's still there. It's, it was in that wallet. Once he gets back that wallet, he could give back whatever that principal was. Chomishlom Shalem. But he does not pay the extra fifth. But in regards to the fifth, he was swearing truthfully. He didn't know that uh, there was this item there. He thought that uh, his father never stole it. In order to be obligated to pay that extra fifth, you have to intentionally lie under oath. And that's why he does not have to pay that fifth. And we'll stop right here. Baruch Hashem Amen Amen.